You know, I'm humbled. I'm humbled uh, to be preaching this morning on Pentecost Sunday. A sermon titled Radically Spirit-Led. It better be good. I mean, if it's not good, it's not spirit-led. I don't know. I mean, like, it, I'm a little nervous, uh, truthfully. Like, um, actually, I'm so nervous, I forgot my notes. Uh, so we're just going to have to wing it, right? It's, it's spirit-led, so it should be okay. Okay, so we're okay. All right. Good. <clears throat> oh, I, no, here they are. Never mind, I found them. <clears throat> no, this, it is Pentecost Sunday, and for those of you that don't know what that means, it means that in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, you, you, you can read the story, Jesus, uh, after his death and resurrection, uh, departs from his disciples, and before he goes into heaven, he says, I want you to remain in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you the Spirit. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit, and he will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just stay in Jerusalem. And so we read in Acts chapter 2 of this encounter, this extraordinary encounter with the church and the Holy Spirit that comes upon them in this incredibly powerful way. It's about nine in the morning. They're all kind of in this room together. And all of a sudden, this gust of wind comes through. And the Spirit descends upon them in these tongues of fire. Like fire literally coming off their heads, it seems like. And they're standing before this congregation of people, all these people that have come around into Jerusalem at this time, speaking different languages, coming from different cultures. And all of a sudden, these 12 disciples start to teach. But they start to teach in a language that everyone else understands in their own tongue. They're like, what is this? How is this even possible? How can they be speaking the language that I know that's unique to where I am? They're not even from where I am. And that's how God works. He's working in like this an extraordinary way. And people repent and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it says that all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ were filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so today we, today is that day, the, the Pentecost Sunday, the day when the church was filled with the Holy Spirit, the day in which we are reminded that we too are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you came today and you hear like, wow, what, what's he talking about, Holy Spirit? I mean, this is, I don't use that kind of language, you know? Like I don't text my friends like, hey, bro, like living spirit-led today? Like I don't do that. I don't use, I don't post it on Facebook. Like look at my spirit-led life, you know. Uh, this is not like every day. And some of you are, you know, you identify yourselves as Presbyterians. And you're like, this is making me really uncomfortable right now. I don't know about this Holy Spirit talk. Isn't that for the Assemblies of God, you know, people or the Pentecostals? Aren't they supposed to talk about? No, this is core. This is core to our theology. This is in our creeds. This is what we believe. This is what we sing about. This is what we talk about. Right? I mean, you know, like, do you, do you, I know, do, do you believe in gravity? Has anyone ever, it's like, yeah, I, I believe in, I believe in gravity. Oh, that's not tied down. I believe in gravity. Hold, yeah, totally. I absolutely believe in gravity. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to end up on the ceiling today. I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, then how come you don't act like it? 
right? Why are you walking around as if all of a sudden, in a moment, you're going to end up on the ceiling because the rules are going to change on you? And it's like, what if, like, yeah, we believe in the Holy Spirit, then, you know, the question is, well, how come we don't live like it? How come we don't act like it? How come we don't talk about it? Maybe because we don't know how to talk about it. (laughs) Maybe because we don't know how to live into it or follow it. In fact, some of us even think that maybe the Holy Spirit living a a radically spirit-led life is kind of like me following ways or Google Maps, right? If you use any of those things, you got that blue line that goes ahead of you, right? So you can see like, okay, I'm kind of on the right track. I got turn-by-turn directions, which is awesome. I can click on that and it drops down and I got, you know, oh yeah, there's my destination. I can make sure. Have you ever used Google Maps and, or Waze, whichever one is your preference or whatever, whatever. Do we have to really, okay, it's not PC, whatever. Your map function on your phone, <laughs> not specifying which kind of phone you use. Okay, have you ever used one of those things and you tap on it, you see the destination, you see the turn by turn, you know how to get there, you just swipe it up? You're just like, don't need it, right? I wonder if following the Holy Spirit was a lot like ways, we would learn our destination, we just swipe up, don't need it. But no, we instead, we think that maybe the Holy Spirit would be like this ways function. You got the blue line, you got the drop down menu, you got the destination, and you got this, this extra little thing that you can, you can I want to get to my destination at this time. When's the best time of the day for me to leave? Have you ever used this? Right? And so you select the time. I want to get there by, you know, 1045 because I want to get to church a little bit early. I want to make sure. I, okay, yeah. So you put it in there and like, when's the best time for me to leave? And it tells you you should leave at like 10.15. Got it. How cool is that? I get to get to my destination, the place that I want to go. I get to get there with the least amount of traffic, the least amount of accidents. I know I'm going where I want to go and I'm going to get there at the right time that I want to get there at. And it's going to be smooth sailing. Isn't that how the Holy Spirit is supposed to work? Right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be when I follow the Holy Spirit's leading? The Holy Spirit's supposed to get me to where I want to go at the time that I want to get there with the least amount of obstacles possible. See, there's a lot of different passages I could have chosen to preach on this morning, and I specifically chose this one on purpose. There's a purpose. And I hope that you will see that purpose as we dive into Scripture this morning. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke Gospel of Luke, and you're going to also be bouncing around between the Gospel of Luke and Exodus, but we'll get there in a second. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Stop. We love that. We love being filled up, don't we? like filled up with power and with authority and with expertise and with know-how, filled up with knowledge. We love being filled in our culture, right? We love this idea that somehow I have enough within who I am as a person that I can be self-reliant. I can be self-sustained, right? I love this idea of being filled up. 
And it says here that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had just been baptized. Do you remember this story? Jesus is at the Jordan River and he's being baptized by John the Baptist and he comes out of the water and the, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form like a dove. Can you imagine? Could you imagine seeing that, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus? Jesus was filled up and we know, we know from scripture that everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is filled. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. The question isn't whether or not you or I are filled. If your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, you are filled. The question this morning is, do you follow? And that's the difference. It's the difference between being filled and following. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Jesus, the only person in all of human history that could claim unto himself, I am a leader. I don't have to follow. Jesus chose to be led. See, we don't like this idea of being led, right? We're in Los Angeles, okay? We're, this is Bel Air Church. We're a bunch of leaders, all right? I sit on boards. I own my own company. I'm telling people what to do. They're not telling, <laughs> they're not telling me what to do, okay? Like, we love being filled. We love having the power and the authority but when it comes to actually following, mm, that's kind of countercultural. I don't know if that's really what I want to live into. But Jesus was led. And where was he led? Right? It, it matters. Right? If, I, if I'm going to put in ways like where am I going to be led to, I'm putting in a destination I really want to go. You know, was Jesus led into prosperity? Was he led into safety and security? Was he led into paradise or on vacation, right? Sure, Holy Spirit, if you want to lead me on vacation, I will follow. No, no, no brainer, right? Now it says here that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. In the wilderness. And some translations say into the wilderness. Regardless, Jesus was led into the wilderness, and he was led by the Spirit while in the wilderness. Both are true. And at this point of the story, if any of you were first century hearers, automatically you'd be thinking, this sounds a lot like a story I've heard before. Actually, this sounds a lot like my story. He was led into the wilderness where for 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness, that sounds a lot like 40 years in the wilderness. Right? If you were an Israelite, you'd be hearing the story and you go, wait a minute, you're telling my story. We passed through the Red Sea. We were baptized. We went into the wilderness for 40 years. This is my story. And so today we're going to be bouncing around between uh, Luke chapter 4 and Exodus. So I want you to turn there with me right now. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And this is what we're going to be doing. I'm going to put my finger on one side and on the other side, okay? You're gonna get upset with me. You're gonna get frustrated if you take your finger out of Luke chapter four. Don't do it. Don't do it. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 verse, before we get there, I'm sorry. We're gonna go to Luke chapter four. See, I'm already frustrating you. Just wanted to see if you're on it. Luke chapter four. We're going to look at the three tests, the three tests of Jesus in the wilderness, and we're going to see that these, 
these three tests are the same three tests that the Israelites experienced in the desert. And in fact, they're the same three tests that we faced today. What's the first test? Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Jesus, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. He was starving. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Command this stone to become a loaf of bread. I wonder, I wonder if there's a similar test to the Israelites in the wilderness. Let's look. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, this is to Moses and to Aaron who were leading them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. Flesh pots. That's so disturbing. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I just kind of wanted to throw up in my mouth. All right. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Do you hear it? Do you hear the test? See, I don't think the test with Jesus was, hey, Jesus, I got some bread. Huh? You want some bread? I mean, let's be honest. Bread is tempting, okay? If you've ever been to like Olive Garden, you just don't need to order anything. You just scarf on the bread, right? It's, it is, I can't, I have no self-control, Mary Beth. I have none when it comes to bread. And so maybe that was it, right? Jesus, bread, huh? Bread. I don't think that was the temptation. I don't think that was the test. I think the test was, Jesus, who fills you? Who fills you? Do you fill yourself? I mean, if you're the son of God, you could do this, right? I mean, you should be self-sufficient if you're the son of God, right? Why don't you just fill yourself? And what do you hear in Exodus? The same question. Israel, who fills you? Their answer was, well, Pharaoh filled me, right? Egypt filled me. Yeah, 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 we were held in captivity. I understand, yeah, we were slaves for 430 years. But man, it's been 40 days and I'm really hungry. I think I want to go back. Did you know that? It's only been 40 days since the time that they were hungry. It says that. The whole congregation of Israelites set out from Elam and Israel came, to, I'm sorry, I'm reading from Exodus 16. It says, uh, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. And it's been a month and a half a month and a half of freedom, and they're like, we're hungry. And what do they do? They, only, they go back to the only thing that they've ever known, the very thing that they were born into. They went back into captivity. They went back into slavery. Why? Because they thought that was better. At least we'll have flesh pots. I mean, come on. There's got to be something better than flesh pots. Who is filling you? is the question. The second question, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil led him, being Jesus, up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. It will all be yours. The question that I believe 
the devil is testing Jesus with is who are you willing to follow? Who are you following? Check it out. Let's go to Exodus again, but this time we're we're, uh, going into Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32 verse 1. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses is on top of Mount Sinai. You've, you know the story where Moses receives the Ten Commandments and he's up there on top of Mount Sinai. And it's, you know, God had prepared the Israelites, like you guys got to bathe, you guys got to dress in new clothes. You're not even supposed to touch the mountain. You just need to wait. I'm going to bring Moses up here onto this mountain and I'm going to give him my commands. And Moses goes up the mountain and there's like clouds up there that are surrounding the mountain. There's thunder and lightning. I mean, it's just... It looks powerful. There's something going on on the top of Mount Sinai. And he's been up there for guess how long? 40 days. And Israel's like, man, this, I don't know. I don't know if I can wait much longer, right? I mean, this guy's taken a really long time. And so they get to verse, uh, chapter uh, 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, The people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. I mean, this is Israel. Israel that just was released from 430 years of captivity. They passed through the Red Sea. And it wasn't just like they got on some boats and they kind of rode across, right? I mean, they like... God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. That's not something that you see every day. They go across on dry ground and who they meet, they meet, well, even before then, a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day that they're following and a pillar of fire by night. They're receiving manna and quail every single day. They're drinking water out of rocks. And they get to Mount Sinai and Moses is up there for 40 days. And they're like, that's enough. Somebody get us a new God. We got to follow somebody else. This is taking too long. The question is, who are you following? Who's filling you and who are you following? Who are you following? And the third, oh no, I did it. I took my finger out of Exodus. Oh my gosh. I'm so frustrated with myself right now. Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. The devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. From, excuse me. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. There's a test there. And I want to show you in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, if you can turn there. Whoever gets there first, Ron, tell us the page number. Numbers chapter 14. I wanted to give everyone a fair shake on that one. Numbers 14, verse 1. 115? 115, okay, thank you. 115, Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, 
Would that we have died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we have died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become booty. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to another, one another, let us choose a captive and go back to Egypt. See, the question for Jesus, the test for Israel was, who fills you? Who are you going to follow? And who is for you? Who is for you? See, just before this passage in Numbers, we read that Israel learns that God is giving them the promised land. They've always known that, but God's like, this is the time. I've brought you by pillar of cloud and by fire up to the border of the promised land, and I want you to send 12 leaders within your community to go check it out. And I want them to come back. I want them to report back. And so they go into this land, and they all 12 come back, and they report back to the community. And there was two, Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua were like, you guys, it's incredible. Like, we got to go now. Like, we've got this. Like, let's go now. God's for us. This is our time. Let's step in. But there was 10 others that were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't listen to those two guys. The people are huge. Like, they're going to take us for sure. Like, we are like grasshoppers to these people. They're going to annihilate us. I don't care what God said. God is not for us. We should choose another captain. We should choose another captain to go before us, to lead us somewhere different. Those are the three tests Jesus faced in the wilderness. Who fills you, Jesus? Who are you going to follow? Who's for you? I mean, if God was for you, you would test him, right? Why don't you jump off this cliff and see if you die? Doesn't seem like a good idea. Jesus is like, you don't test the Lord your God. And all these quotes that Jesus is quoting, it says, it is written, it is written, it is written. It's all coming from his identity in the, the wilderness narrative. He's reflecting on all of these passages that we just read. Because that is his story. As radically different, it's radically the same. And you know what? That's our story. As radically different it's radically the same. We are always, every single day, faced with these same three questions. The, quest, the, the questions are not the problem. When you wake up tomorrow and you're like, who's going to fill me today? Who am I going to follow today? Who's for me today? Those questions aren't the problem. It's how you're going to answer them. That's the question. How are you going to answer those three tests? Who fills you? I mean, do you really have to go to retail therapy all the time to fill you up, right? When you get that Amazon package at your door, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. I got stuff. I don't even know what's inside the box yet. It just is great. I just, I got some new stuff. That's cool, right? Or we actually, um, you know, we go onto social media and we're posting some awesome picture and we're just needing those likes and we're like, oh man, I only got 100 likes today. Oh. oh, but 150 likes. Oh, I'm feeling better about myself. I'm feeling full. This is good, right? Or you guys are like, this is the 11 o'clock service, and we're 
pushing 1150. You're like, come on, pastor, would you get it over with? I'm hungry, right? And so we go and we fill ourselves with food. That's important, okay? But what happens when we stop? And we, we don't stop. We just keep filling ourselves because we just, we need that food. And it just is striking some, something deep inside of us that we're trying to fill, or we're trying to fill, or it's alcohol. And we're like, I just need to fill this space. I'm not getting filled up. And the Holy Spirit says, I want to fill you. I want to fill you not so that you can be self-sufficient, but so that you can tap into who I am. So you can start functioning out of the power of the Holy Spirit. I am in you. What fills you? You have to answer that question today. Who are you going to follow? We follow, we follow people all the time. On Instagram, you follow friends on Instagram, seeing what they're doing. You follow strangers on Instagram. Doesn't that sound weird, you follow strangers? Like, what a creepy culture in the future. They're like, no, they used to follow strangers around all the time. <laughs> no, no, it was a thing, I don't know. Yeah, you follow strangers on Instagram. Why? Because they got some new, like, health tip for you or new workout schedule or something like that, or they're doing some vacation and you just want to, I don't know, envy and wallow in self-pity. Is that me? <laughs> Sorry. That's just me. Who are you going to follow? We follow the stock market. We follow the news. We follow social media. We follow fill in the blank. Who do you follow? Who's for you? Who's for you? Do you feel like you're just all alone in this world, that, that God is not for me, he has abandoned me, I am left alone? Or do you feel like, no, so-and-so is for me, in fact, I need them so badly that I have this, like, this codependent relationship with them because I, I have to have them. And, and if I don't have them, then I feel like no one is for me. Or you're like, come on, pastor, you don't know me. I don't need anyone. I'm an island. I'm for myself. I got this. See, you have to answer these three questions today. Because it's how you answer these questions that determines whether or not you're actually going to step into the promised land. Whether you're going to step into your calling. See, the promised land is not heaven. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's not this place where, you know, everything is safe and secure. There was still hunger there. There was still war in the promised land. The promised land is your calling. And you're not going to step into your calling unless you can answer these three questions. Yes, God, it's God alone who fills me. It's God that I will follow. It is God that is for me. I will not be afraid. That's what Caleb and Joshua said. It is God who is for us. We don't have to be afraid. It's the Holy Spirit who fills me. It's the Holy Spirit who will follow. It's the Holy Spirit who is for me. I will not be afraid. It is Christ who fills me. It is Christ whom I will follow. It is Christ who is for me. I will not be afraid. I'm going to step into my calling. And my calling is where God has me. Whether that's my home or my city or my workplace, I'm going to step into it. Why? Because God has given me this place. Not for my own sake. Not to somehow battle with somebody. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's for people. It's for the revival and renewal of all things. I'm going to step into that place and I'm going to start living, being led by the Holy Spirit. See, we have something better. We have something better than Egypt. 
We have something better than Pharaoh can ever offer. And you're going to live into the wilderness. Oh, what, because it's not paradise? You want the flesh pots? Really? <laughs> I just love saying flesh pots. Oh, my gosh, it's so fun. You guys should try it. But seriously, are we going to live? Oh, it was so much better in Egypt. It was so much better when I was held in captivity. Or am I going to step through the waters of baptism? I'm going to live a spirit-led life into the wilderness, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. It's not an issue of whether or not the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead. What? The Holy Spirit's leading us all the time. The Holy Spirit's saying, church, Follow. Follow. This is not a how to live a spirit-led life. This is a call to follow the Holy Spirit of God. And it's that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. See, we got it better than disciples before Pentecost. We have it better. See, Jesus was walking alongside them. And the Israelites had a pillar of fire and cloud that was going before them. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We got it better. We got to tune our heart. We got to tune ourselves to that truth and say, yes, Holy Spirit, I believe in you. I trust in you. You filled me. I will follow you because you are for me. I will not be afraid. Jesus, our new Moses, is better than Moses. He's taken us. He's paid for us. He's He's reconciled. He's pulled us out of captivity by what he did on the cross. And he's taken us through the waters of baptism. And he leads us through the wilderness to our promise, to step into our calling. Will you step into your calling today? I'm tired. I want to, do we really want to wander in the wilderness another 40 years? I mean, is that what we're really into? No, we don't want to wander. We want to live into it. So answer those three questions. And I encourage you. Today, as you go to lunch, consider those three questions. Talk about them. Who's filling me? Who am I following? Who's for me? God is. You don't have to be afraid. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence among us. We thank you that you have filled us up. That we are not self-sufficient on our own, but we are God-sufficient. We're not self-reliant. We are Holy Spirit-reliant people, God. Thank you for not leaving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for providing for us. And Holy Spirit, we want to live as people who follow you. May that be our identity. May that be how we are known. Not for our glory, but for yours alone. We pray these things. Amen.